All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible privilege of gathering together as family and a faith that you've provided for us. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, and most of all, your love, your unerring love. We are so faithless at times, but you, dear Father, are always faithful. For that, we are so very grateful, eternally so. Father, we pray for those that can't be with us this morning, that earnestly desire to be here, but due to illnesses of a variety of sorts, uh, cannot be here. We just pray that you return them to us uh, as soon as possible. Uh, you will be done, of course. We pray for those that are still lost in this world, that they be humbled, repent, and be given saving faith before it's too late. We are most grateful and thankful, of course, for all the work that your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, accomplished on that cross 2,000 years ago, so that even a morning like this is something to rejoice in for all of uh, we believers. And so uh, we just ask for your blessings on this morning's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Again, the Lord is our confidence. On Thursday, uh, we begin with the very topic of confidence. And so that's where we're going to start this morning. I want you to focus on the word, your own definition of confidence. Most of us hear the word confidence. I can speak as a man. And it's, there's always an edge to it, right? There's always this, hey, are you confident? You know what I mean? Straighten your back. There's always that thing. Women, I don't know how you do it. So you'll have to imagine that on your own. But confidence, by definition, by world's definition, is different than the confidence we're supposed to have as a result of being in Christ Jesus. So for the sake of perspective, we considered first the one with the most confidence this world has ever known up here on the board, who do we know that has ever been more confident in himself than Jesus Christ? The answer is no one. Who do we know? No one. So Jesus becomes our standard bearer. He's the perfect one. He's our prototype. He becomes our standard bearer. Um, what did confidence look like in him? And if we're not identical to him, which we are not, uh, what does that say about our confidence, the confidence we might cling to? And so Jesus as our standard bearer, with him as our standard bearer, what say we of our own so-called self-confidence? And I say so-called because, and I have it in quotes as well, because most self-confidence uh, is garbage. The Spirit answered this question very clearly up here on the board. The source of confidence, Jesus is the only person worthy of possessing self-confidence. When I say self here, I'm talking about the actual, what we're given, what we're even born with. Our confidence then must be in Him, not ourselves. We might call this Christ confidence instead. And that's a good habit to get into. 
instead of buying the lie from the world, oh, you know, serve your self-confidence, you know, up your self-confidence, make sure your self-esteem is intact, all that garbage. How about you just refer to it as, well, it's my Christ confidence. In other words, I derive my confidence from him and him alone, from his righteousness alone. The world lies to us, claiming a type of confidence that supplants Christ confidence, takes the place of. Uh, we like to make ourselves idols. We like to puff ourselves up. And so I've been given this a lot of thought, um, and I hope you have as well. In retrospect, um, as I wrote about in the blog, um, my own failures in this, mo in this area began to surface, which, it, which, by the way, is always a good thing. To be shown your failures by God, that is a very good thing. It's actually what we ought to pray for. Remember what David said? Show me any grievous way in me. Test my heart, Lord. That ought to always be our attitude. But it hurts. Because he says, okay, gird your loins. Are you ready? And so it hurts sometimes, but it's always good if we remain humble. Uh, in my case, I had somehow become influenced by the world, and I hadn't really identified it. I mean, I knew something was awry. You know that thing you do, that game you play? I know something's not right, um, but I'm too busy, and I've kept myself too busy on purpose so that I don't have to address that nagging thing back there. You know, called, it's called the Holy Spirit, by the way. He's reminding you. He just keeps knocking, right? And they go, la, 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 la. If I turn the music up loud enough, I don't hear the knocking. So somehow I had gotten into that situation. I mean, I know now, but. Uh, and you know what? My flesh loved the whole idea of it. Loved it. Said, oh, awesome. Even drew me away from my place of peace. So I was thinking about that. Um, is it possible that this darkness that had settled, and I'm just using myself as an example. I hope you're running your own parallels here. This isn't about dissecting uh, Ed Collins. This is about you learning from my faith, because that's the ultimate end principle here, is that what did God accomplish through a person, one man's faith, one man's humility, ultimately? Is it possible that this darkness had settled into my soul and it was able to remain there unscathed because it had been encouraged for years and years? In other words, how did that happen? You know, you know how you, after you, you, know, you get in a car wreck, you survive it, you, know, you do a month in the hospital, you come out and you go back to the scene and say, how did it happen? You probably run it over in your head. How did that happen? Was I doing this? Did I, get dis did I get distracted? Was I whatever? And you look at that situation and you try to learn from it. So that's all I've been doing and that's what I encourage you to do as well. So how did that happen? How did that, how did that thing, that little cancerous thing, how, did it, how was it unscathed for so long? And how did it grow tendrils into my soul for years? As the blog explained, I've been delivered from something that's been haunting me for a long time.
It just so happens that my being able to identify something awry in my soul corresponds with something else. Getting rid of my TV. Some of you are like, oh. Here we go. You're not going to let it go, are you? Until everybody in here is TV-less. That's not my job. But all I'm telling you is that maybe that's my weakness. Maybe I turn on a TV and you and I are different. Somehow it permeates my soul, but somehow you're just so rock solid, none of it gets into yours. But lo and behold, I get rid of my TV. A short while later, I have an aha moment that ultimately, since I was humble, delivered me from my own misery. Because something was there encouraging me. Yeah, that's the way you should be thinking. Yeah, and it just kept dealing me those cards, you see? Turn on the TV, kept dealing you those cards. Boom, boom, boom. You know, and it looks, the packaging's great, isn't it? The packaging's wonderful. The music, you know, la, 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 you know, and the soap commercials. Why don't I smell that good? Why don't I look that good when I'm showering? You know what I'm saying? So some of you are like, ah, here we go with the TV again. I'm just sharing what I believe to be one of the culprits in my own demise. It wasn't the only one, so I'm not saying, oh my God, get rid of TV and all your life's going to improve. It'll improve, but that's not the whole reason. It just was one reason that was in my living room saying, yeah, you should keep thinking like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you should definitely keep thinking like that. That's all I'm saying. And um, when we know something like that exists in our life, we've got to get rid of it. Again, if you're that powerful and you can watch a television and you're stronger than I was, or you can do whatever that thing is that you continue to do and you're stronger than folks like me, um, then you know more power to you. The truth is that Satan was all the more able to influence my everyday thinking through media, let's call it. So some of you, it might not be your television, it might be your smartphone or your iPad or your computer, just the internet, some access to something ungodly. Here's the point I'm making, though, and it's consistent with this week's blog. Um, and the, the blog was titled The Great Depression. And so this is a summary point. It's, not a, uh, it's just a summary capture, if you would. I don't believe this is a direct quote. If we purchase or even allow ourselves to be influenced by the lie that encourages us to develop even small pockets of so-called self-confidence, we eventually, we eventually exhaust ourselves into a state of depression. And some of you might be saying, why am I, why am I always feeling low? Like, why do I feel low. Why is it after I do this thing that I just, you know, I just have to do? I have to turn the TV on. I have to go to Facebook. I have to go to Twitter. I have to go to this form of media. Why is it this thing that I'm hooked on, every time I walk away, I feel worse? Why is it every time I do this thing, I walk away and I feel worse? 
Do you know what another name for pushing a button down is? If I have this button right here, if I push it down, it's called depressing it. You depress the button. Hey, did that work, by the way? Hey, good, that's good. Didn't even work. So now I'm depressed about the depressing of the button. That's called depressed, okay? It means to be pressed down. Why do I feel pressed down every time I do this thing that I just have to do? If we purchase or even allow ourselves to be influenced by the lie that encourages us to develop even small pockets of so-called self-confidence, we eventually exhaust ourselves into a state of depression. Putting faith in flesh is a disaster. An absolute, positive, guaranteed disaster. And the world says do it all the time as much as you can because you need to build your self-confidence. And for the record, please, I beg you, please, do not try to figure out how I personally was doing this very thing. What's important is that you figure out how the kingdom of darkness has been influencing you. That's what's important here. And then, and only then, once that cancer is identified in yourself, seek to understand why you've gotten certain miseries in your life. And what you're going to find is they are absolutely connected. I keep doing this thing and I'm miserable. Or I'm miserable all the time, but I don't exactly know why. I literally just gave you a huge hint. For some of you, it really is that form of media. You need to just cut it out of your life, whatever it is. You say, I don't know why I'm miserable. You're miserable because you're trying to measure up to the rest of the world. You're miserable because all the people that you see on television, or you hear on the radio, or you see on your little iPhone app, or whatever it is, it depresses you because it's designed to press you down. It's designed to do that thing to you. So you keep clawing and scratching and asking God for more stuff, to be more uh, self-confident like your neighbors. It's a trap. And secondarily, please also, don't say you have no misery in your life because that's a lie. If anybody in here says that to themselves, I please, I invite you to my office directly after service and I will show you where you're miserable. I know all of you well enough that I could point something out right now. You say, oh, well, you'll never get the chance. <laughs> Drifting in the parking lot. Don't do that thing. Don't say, oh, I'm happy as a clam. I don't know what's wrong with you, you and your stupid blogs. I don't know what's wrong with you. Look at you. You're, you're, oh, you're one of those now? You're depressed. Yeah, I was depressed. You know what that makes me? Humble. I was delivered because I actually, in humility, accepted the truth about myself. Maybe you could learn something. Maybe you could learn something from that bald guy 
who's forced to share those kinds of things, you really, does anybody here want to write about their life like that and have 300, 400 people read it? You think you're the only ones who read the blog? 300 and something, three, probably about 400 people read that blog. People I don't even know. People in other countries. And then, uh, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, Scott, but a very popular uh, megachurch teacher, uh, one of his assistant pastors, killed himself recently because he was depressed. And what did I tell Scott? I said, Scott, too bad he didn't read my blog because that man could have been delivered by the grace of God, but he wasn't. He decided to kill himself. What does that say? It's a very dangerous proposition. Without God, if you go it alone, I'm not going to judge that individual. I'm just saying. It's very interesting how that came out. You got one guy, one pastor, some no-name from North Dighton, writing a blog, says, I've been delivered, and another guy from a huge ministry killing himself. What does that say? You figure it out. One of us depended on God, one of us didn't. One of us was delivered by the hand of God, one of us wasn't. One of us is a no-name, one of us everybody knows. It's one of the dangers of megachurches, but I'll leave that there. My point is, don't say that you have no misery in your life, because that's a lie. We all have some misery in our own lives. And as the blog clearly articulated, it's our own fault. No one else's. And most certainly not God's. Most certainly not God's. God will allow it as a form of discipline. You'll reap what you sow. But he's not the originator of it. He's not at fault because you're miserable. You're miserable because you have sin in you. You are living in a sin. Some of you hear the word TV from this pulpit and you go, la, 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 that's a sin. As soon as you, you, if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, what does James 14 say, 17 say? It's not 14, 17, James 4, 17. What does that say? To him who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, it's accounted as what? There you go. So if you're going la, la, la every time I mention a, a form of media because you don't want to hear it, do you know what that's called? That's called a sin. Just, you know, as part of my job, some food for thought up here on the board. Examples of misery followed by good perspective. Some of you are miserable at work. You know what? You have a job. Instead of complaining about authority or how hard it is, or how much you've bought the lie about some 40-hour work week, which is made by man, by the way. You have a job. Do it as under the Lord. As soon as you have that change of perspective, all is good again. How about relationships? Ah, oh, you know, this, uh, blah, blah. You have brothers and sisters in Christ. Look around. You have people here that love you. How about food? Ah, oh, you know, I don't get my favorite steak this week, or... You know, my wife, she's such a hag, she burned the steak. <laughs> You're not starving, are you? Take, hey, take a trip. Next time someone goes from this church on a missionary trip, go with them. Say, I'll go with you. Maybe you'll stop complaining about food, you know, when you have an anal exorcism 
on the plane. Right, Michael? Oh, you don't care, do you? Yeah, he's like this. He's proud of it. Hey, teach your own. You accept it, right? <laughs> How about money? You, if you live in the United States, you have a surplus. I'm not going to say any more about that. How about beauty, intellect, power, all the things that media likes to hype up? God made you with a purpose. Maybe he said, you know what? i got to make this one ugly. Because they would be so arrogant. It would be uncontrollable. Or i got to make this one dumb. Or i got to make this one, you know, I can't give them any kind of position of authority because they'd be power mongers and it'd be horrible for everybody. Maybe that's what he does. But you know what? He perfectly made you. Maybe he made you all those things so that you could relate to someone and evangelize somebody on the last day of your life as an ugly, dumb, powerless person. You follow what I'm getting at? There's a certain, there are certain circles of people that listen to certain people. So those are just examples of misery that can seep in, right? They just seep in, and all of a sudden you're malcontent. You choose your poison. There's many more than this. All of a sudden you're malcontent, and you're miserable, and, you, and it's, a, it's like this little cancerous misery that keeps percolating up, you know, and uh, it's haunting. I hope you get the point. The things that make us miserable are always a function of sin. Always. Sin's primary goal is teshuka, to dominate, to usurp God's authority. Which means that, in essence, we want things that aren't ours to have. That's usually the problem. We covet. Right? It's the, you know, as Allah, the Ten Commandments, we covet other things. Things that God says, that's not for you, but I want it. But it's, it's not for you. Like, that's for somebody else. But I want it. Because I would, my self-confidence would soar if I just had better relationships, better money, uh, a better job. Uh, I was better looking. I don't know. I'm, I was smarter. Ugh. I would be a bigger idol. Yeah, and God says, yeah, I know. That's why I can't give it to you, because you're obnoxious and you're arrogant. Why do we covet the things of God? Because we're vain. We are our own idols. And what did Solomon say? This, the smartest guy of his time, Ecclesiastes 1-2, kicks off this wisdom book, Right out of the gate. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Why do you covet that thing that ends up causing you misery? You settle on it. I want it. That's the cancer, right? God says no, but you say, I want it. From that point on, misery. If you let that thing go, no misery. If you cling to that thing, misery. Guaranteed. All is vanity. All I'm trying to prove to you is that if you think you have no real misery in your life, you're lying to yourself. 
And I can say this with 100% confidence for one simple reason. We all have sin in our lives. Since we all have sin in our lives, we all have misery. Nobody here is perfect. Sin is the cause of misery. That was one of the things that I tried to bring out through a practical example of depression in the blog. It wasn't about the depression. It wasn't about you feeling sorry for anyone. It was about what sin does to a, an otherwise good man. Like it brings them low. It brings a woman low. It's the cause of misery. And if you let it fester and grow and spread like cancer, you are going to be increasingly miserable. So here's the conclusion. If we have A, which we'll call sin, and A always produces B, which we'll call misery, then we have B. If you say then, I don't have B, misery, then there is sin that you're currently living in that you haven't identified yet or maybe even refused to own. And I was having several conversations on this uh, because, you know, obviously my leadership team wanted to know what was going on, this kind of a thing. And I said, here's the thing, guys. It's like I taught you probably a year or so ago. We love, it was during the deceitfulness of sin. Sin would love for you to just itemize your sins. Oh, here's my sin. I lied, I cheated on my taxes, I, um, I did this thing, and you itemize it, right? And then you, you, you put a little wrapper on you, throw it out. You say, well, I confess it all, so I'm good. No, 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 no. Sin has ill intention. Sin has that personality, remember. It's an influencer. So you have to look deeper, the way I had to. Deeper and say, what sin am I living in? Not what itemized overt sins can I point to. What sin am I living in? How is my life, it, lifestyle sinful? Well, for example... If you literally just got convicted about the TV, they were like, please stop talking about the TV. The games are on all afternoon. I'm not, not going to watch my TV. Fine. That's between you and the Lord. Enjoy your misery. Right? If, you were, if you were convicted and then your lifestyle says, yeah, but there's so much momentum, I literally have chips and salsa waiting for me. There's just too much momentum. You don't understand. I have friends coming over. I have cheese dip. I have, you have no idea. Right? I got the funny the beer bottles that change color as it's getting cooler and all that kind of stuff. I got everything. Right? That's your lifestyle. That's what the Spirit's talking about. He's not saying, oh, you know, boom. Well, in that moment in, in, in uh, Bible class this morning, I said no to the Spirit. And that's the sin. That's the itemized sin. And that's it. No, 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 no. It's your life. It's your life. That's what he's getting at. And so, everybody here is miserable for some reason because they refuse to give up that life that they've worked so hard for. They refuse. And what are they really saying? I want to keep my self-confidence. I want to keep on coveting 
things that God says aren't mine. I want to keep being my favorite idol. I want to keep being all these things. I'll go to class. I'll get convicted. But I am not about to change my life. That's what he's saying. That's all he's saying here. And that's all I'm saying. And that's why he makes me do embarrassing things like tell you, write to hundreds of people about how I failed and end up being crushed like David. So anyways, if you say I don't have B, misery, then there is sin that you're currently living in that you haven't identified yet or maybe even refused to own. That's what David did. That's what I did recently. And both of us were pressed down really low, a.k.a. D, pressed. D, pressed. You know the word pressed is in depressed, right? Technical term. So don't, don't be moronic by the way, as well, and assign some clinical definition to what I'm saying here. And definitely don't assign some weird stigma to the word depressed. It's a technical term, not a social one. You understand what I'm saying? That word has been, um, what's the right word? There's a stigma to it, like there are there's a lot of words in the English language. Don't do that thing, because you'll miss the point. You'll miss the point. I don't even care if you call what you go through, your own misery, depression or not. That's not what's important. What's important is you understand what's going on in your life. If the word is a stumbling block to you, then don't use it. I don't care. Don't use it. Use another word. Say, I'm feeling really low. Okay. I'm just more efficient with my language. You see how many extra syllables you had to use to avoid your stumbling block? Again, if you think you have no sin, well, just dwell on it this weekend between the Doritos and the football games. Again, the instigating point up here on the board. The source of confidence. Jesus is the only person worthy of possessing self-confidence. Our confidence must be in him, not in ourselves. We might call this Christ-confidence. So before we go to 1 Corinthians 2.16 again, we're going to add some more fundamental doctrine to our studies now. Okay? Because what the Spirit's been doing is sort of weaving together this string of pearls. He's saying, ah, oh, you really want confidence, huh? Well, how do you get that thing? And if you don't have it, what is it that's not producing it? Is there something missing in a righteous chain of events? that's causing you not to have this confidence that you really do want. And then, in humility, will you accept what he gives you? That's what we've been doing. Does anybody in here say they don't want confidence? I mean, who wants to walk around in anxiety and worry and fear and things that depress you or press you down or, in some people's case, make you feel really low? So we're going to add some more fundamental doctrine to our studies now. We're going to begin talking about power. At salvation, we have been given the greatest power of all. That is the power of God the Holy Spirit. Go to Philippians 4.11. Philippians 4.11. You might feel powerless. 
And in a way, that's a very good thing. Because that means, like Paul said, when you're weak, when you feel powerless, that's when you're strong. Because you have no other way, to, no one else to turn to at that point. You've exhausted yourself. You can only turn to the only power that can truly deliver you, that is uh, our Lord, who gives us abundantly of his Spirit. So, at salvation, we've been given the power of God the Holy Spirit. Philippians 4, 11. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. And in, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Through him. If you're pressed really low and you want to get out of the funk, you have to turn to him. That's what Philippians 4.13 says. I can do all things. I can recover from a, a deep state of depression through him. So, it's right to say here that him refers to the Spirit's power. Go to Ephesians 5.15. Ephesians 5.15. So it's the Spirit's power in us that delivers us. And that's a wonderful, that's really good news. Really good news. Because otherwise we'd have to deliver ourselves. And that's what the world will tell you. They'll say, listen, just think more positive. Look at all the good in your life. Look at how wonderful you are. Look at your family. Look at your friends. That doesn't work enough. I got something that, that only takes you 70%. I got a drug that can take you the, the last 30. And I'm not picking on people who have serious mental illnesses with chemical imbalance. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about normal people, regular people that don't have to deal with certain ailments. Oh, yeah, 70% of the way, I got a drug that'll, that'll finish the thing. In other words, Satan says, I've got the whole solution for you right here. All packet. You don't need Jesus Christ. You don't need to turn to his power. There's enough in you, and if it's exhausted, if you feel tired at the end of the day, this will get you through the last 30%. You say, what do I need Jesus Christ for? And Satan says, exactly. Exactly. Right? Let's not talk about the root cause. Let's not talk about the simple fact that it's sin that's producing that misery in you. That it's sin that led you by the hand to a state of depression. Because you know what? When you're depressed, remember Tashuka? Here's you normally, la, 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 that's your sheep, right? You have five legs now. You're a sheep, right? And Tashuka comes along and goes, poom, and now you're upside down. Tashuka goes, good, I got you right here. I got you on your back. That's where I can dominate you. I have to get you on your back. I have to get you depressed. Depressed. I have to get you depressed on your back. And I'm going to hold you there. So says sin. And so how does he do that? Oh, I don't know. TV, media, uh, friends, uh, old crusty religious doctrines that still haunt you. Any kind of religiosity. Anything that's against the will of God. I've taught you that. Isn't that the very the contracted definition of sin? Anything that's opposed to the will of God. That's sin. Well, you know what? God doesn't want you on your back. 
He says, wait a minute, you're, you're one of mine. You're one of my children. It'd be like if I saw someone in the parking lot this morning pinning Joey down, I'd probably jump on their back. And it'd be a really bad day for them because I don't want to have my kids on their back dominated by any other jackass. Do you understand what I'm getting at? God doesn't want his children on their back debilitated. You've been made victors in Christ Jesus. Amen? What are you doing on your back? That's what sin does to us. That's what Teshuka is. Philippians 4.13 says, I can get off my back. Ephesians 5.15 Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, we've studied this ad nauseum for other reasons in the past. But this morning, I want you to think that there really is a lot being said in this short phrase. Be filled with the Spirit. Be influenced, be empowered by, be filled by the Spirit. I'll give you a hint up here on the board. Romans 15, 13 in the Amplified reads, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit you will abound in hope and overflow with confidence. How does this happen? By the power of the Holy Spirit overflow with confidence. Do you see the connective tissue there? It's by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, that you are given confidence. And if he says he'll deliver you from this position like he did with me, he will. But you have to be humble enough to turn to his power and shut off the self in you in self-confidence. The one that the world keeps telling you is worth feeding. Don't believe me? Watch your football games today. Some of you might be jealous because the, the guy throwing the football makes about a bazillion times more in a year than you do. But it's the commercials that get you. They're always meant to puff you up. And if they're not meant to puff you up and entice you into being more self-confident, they're meant to uh, tease you and antagonize you and say, you don't have enough, you need more. I hope you see what the Spirit's saying. By the power of the Holy Spirit... Overflow with confidence. What is the power behind our confidence then? Better yet, who is our confidence? Who? The answer? God the Holy Spirit, a.k.a. the Spirit of Christ, a.k.a. also known as Christ. The Lord is our confidence. So concentrate. What the Spirit is teaching us here is fundamental to our spiritual walks. On the one hand, he's been saying throughout this series that we most certainly ought to have confidence. It's not like he's saying don't have any confidence. He's saying you really do, uh, or you should have confidence. And along the way, he's pointed us to the source of this confidence, warning us not to place it in our flesh. And now this morning, he's reminding us that the power to do this thing, to deliver us, to give us confidence, 
is actually given to us through faith. And we'll discuss this a little bit more, but it's actually the power behind it that he's been focusing on this morning. And not just, it's not just, let's put it this way, it's not magically through faith. In other words, you say, I believe the Bible. I believe it. And then you're not filled with the Spirit. Every time the Spirit tries to say something to you, like he has already probably several times this morning on probably key elements in your life, you say, la, 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 la. No, 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 no. If I start listening to you, my whole life is going to change. Sanctification. That's the point. You think you just get... That's, we'll leave that up to the moronic churches out there that teach, oh, you're saved, see you in heaven. Go do whatever you feel like now. I'll see you in heaven. You're good. Some people even lie to their children and say garbage like that. You're good. You said your little prayer. No fruit. No, no peace. No nothing. Just You said your little prayer. I'll see you in heaven. Yeah, the Bible says it doesn't work like that. Not even close. That person isn't depending on the power of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, they're making a mockery of the power of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, you have to wonder if they even have the power of the Spirit. If they ever had the power of the Spirit, as I've taught in the past. So, this is not magically through faith. You don't just get to say, I have faith, but by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Faith has power because the Spirit endows it. Let me say it again. Faith has power because the Spirit endows it. That's why some faith is impotent, while faith from God is supernaturally capable. Go to Matthew 17.20. Matthew 17.20. Faith has power because the Spirit endows it. In other words, without the Spirit's blessing, your faith is null and void. There are a lot of people out there that have faith in garbage doctrines, watered-down gospels, religious gospels. Well, I'm a good person. I'm definitely good enough to get into heaven. You don't think there's people out there with that kind of faith? Look at the tallest steeples in the area. That's where you'll find them. I'm good enough to get into heaven. That's faith, isn't it? Does God empower that? Nope. At the end of it, some of those people are going to hear the same thing the Pharisees and the scribes are. Get away from me. I never knew you. But didn't we but, but, but? I never knew you. Matthew 17, 20, and he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith, for truly, truly, or truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, tiny, mustard seeds, oh, like whittle, Whittle with a W. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. You know, faith in self can't even move a hair. Can't even move a hair. Faith empowered by God can move mountains. This confidence we've been investigating all these weeks is rooted in this faith. This faith, the one that can move mountains, the one that God empowers. So to summarize up here on the board, 
and this is our series title, of course, The Lord is Our Confidence, our confidence is rooted in faith. It is through faith by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, that we obtain said confidence. In other words, it is the Spirit who empowers our Christ confidence. A la Romans 15, 13, Philippians 4, 13, we already saw that, and then we'll see Colossians 1, 9 to 12 in a moment. Again, our confidence is rooted in faith. It is through faith by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, that we obtain said confidence. In other words, it is the Spirit who empowers our Christ confidence. Again, I just don't want any of you to simply read over the following verse, or the verse, you're still in Ephesians 5.18? Oh, you're not? Well, pretend you were in Ephesians 5.18 for a moment. I just don't want you to read over Ephesians 5.18 that says, but be filled with the Spirit, and then dismiss how much is actually impregnated into what Paul is saying. I just don't want you to do that thing. Again, up here on the board, Romans 15.13 in the Amplified. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit you will abound in hope and overflow. I don't know the Greek there, but it's probably perisuo. It means to overflow. Your cup can't even hold it, right? That's what, remember I taught you that a long, long time ago? Perisuo, the Greek word. It means to, he just keeps pouring into your cup. You get this cup, it just, it's overflowing, right? And that tends to overflow into the lives of others. Overflow with confidence. How? By the power of the Spirit up here on the board. And then this principle on its coattails. The Lord is our confidence. Our confidence is rooted in faith. It is through faith by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, that we obtain said confidence. In other words, it is the Spirit who empowers our Christ confidence. Okay, go to, uh, let's see, go to Colossians 1.9. Colossians 1.9. Colossians 1, verse 9. So in other words, the Spirit's saying we can't, as, mu- as earnest as we might be, we can't manufacture confidence. It has to be given to us as a gift. Colossians 1, 9. <clears throat> For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You might even call that the active case of being filled with the Spirit, right? Be filled with the knowledge of His will, because who teaches us all things? Who brings into remembrance all that Jesus said? His Spirit does. So, be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk. Do you see it produces something? Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Is it worthy of you to lay on your back and be pressed down? Is that glorifying to God? No. No. We're co-victors with Jesus Christ. When we're laying on our backs because of our own poor decision-making, because we refuse and reject God the Holy Spirit's unction to change our lifestyle even, we are degradating the name of Christ. We are not bringing glory to God. We are showing the, the power of sin in our lives. We are not acting as victors. Victors do not lay on their backs. Victors rejoice. 
so that you may be filled with knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power. Do you understand? And that is the power of the Spirit of Christ in view. Strengthened with all power. The power of the Spirit of Christ is in view. According to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father. That was, I'll be honest with you, that's where I was failing a, a bit in my own, quote, depression. I was failing in that. I, 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 I was failing. Just forgetting all the blessings even. It's so easy to do. Just forgetting the blessings. Why? Because I was being barraged look at what you don't have, loser. And I, I, it wasn't that strong. I'm just trying to make you laugh a little bit because you guys all, it's like, you know, it's, but I'm saying, figure it's like, look it, look it, look it, look it. And you're like, I'm just you're like a kid in a candy store. Oh, I want some, I want some of that. And it doesn't have to be stuff. I wasn't like, you know, looking for new stuff. It was other stuff, if that makes sense. Like stuff that I don't really want to share with you. But let's just say I was greedy little jackass. And I wanted stuff for myself. How about that? Right? And I was grabbing. Yeah, well, that's not giving thanks to the Father. That's being a brat. That's being a little brat. Throwing a little tantrum. Well, I don't have... Are you serious? Uh, hello? Do any of us have a right to ever be a brat? Have you forgotten how far he's lifted you? You were, you were destined, and rightfully so, for hell. What, that wasn't enough? Apparently not. Not in my case. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Are you serious? I mean, I have this huge inheritance as a child of God, and I'm a brat? Yeah. Pretty much as are all of you. That's us. Honestly, what do we have to be miserable of or miserable about? Honestly, nothing. It's sin in us that produces that fruit. Good perspective, power of the Spirit always produces good fruit. That's walking in a manner worthy of Him. Bearing good fruit mm. in all respects. All right, go back to Ephesians 5.18. All of that was just a friendly little reminder. When you see this phrase, be filled with the Spirit, all of that is in view. It's why we study the Word of God the way we do. Uh, we don't always do it in a doctrinal bent, but sometimes we do, just like I just did, just to show you what happens uh, when you, or what should happen in your soul when you read that. That you shouldn't just be like, la, 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 oh, be filled with the Spirit. And, you know, you kind of like, in your soul, you throw a little confetti up, and then you read on. It's like, wee, be filled with the Spirit. No, there's a lot going on here. For real. And definitely don't do it drunk. Like some people do. I hope not anybody today. But with the football games, people tend to dip a few back. Nobody? 
Some of you know I, I have boxes. I eat at the box wine. I do the box wine. It's much more economical. Gets me. <laughs> I wake up sort of blind in one eye, but it wears off. Time I'm done driving down Route 90, I got an hour drive to work, I'm good. I can see again, 3D. You laugh, but people premeditate worse than that, don't they? Of course they do. People premeditate all the time and then act dumb. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> right, like a little kid. I don't know, mommy. I don't know how it happened. Because you got drunk. Because you bought a box of wine. A box. Not, not a bottle. A box. Isn't that in itself like just like ooze excess? I'm not going to get a bottle, a nice feminine look of a bottle where you get a few glasses of wine. I'm going to get a box. I'm going to say there's some ill intent going on, but I digress. Don't do that. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. There it is again. Always giving thanks. If you live that life, that life of gratitude, you don't end up on your back. You don't end up dominated by sin because you live a life of gratitude. Whatever, you, whatever your flesh is coveting gets pushed aside. It's displaced with gratitude. That's why the Bible always talks about this. Be great, pray always give, in everything give thanks, right? That's 1 Thessalonians 5. In everything, give thanks. We just saw it twice. Colossians 1, Ephesians 5. Keep reading. Look it up. Look up gratitude in the Bible. You'd be, you're going to be blasted by it. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. That's an interesting phrase as well because this kind of subjectivity is unnatural. It's supernaturally empowered. I'm not going to be subject to you, but it's in the fear of Christ. In other words, I will show you, like I had to, I will show you a bit of my soft underbelly so that I might serve you in his name. So that I can do a good thing. That's what that means. I'll be subjected to you. That we can serve each other. Because it's a menial thing, right? But isn't that what Jesus taught his apostles before he left by washing their feet? Let me show you what it should be like. I'm going to wash your feet. That's what it means to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. We're supposed to serve each other, but that is extremely unnatural. And there's no, isn't that like what would the world would call a self-abasement, not self-confidence? You mean I got to get low? I got to get lower? Yes, by the world standards, you're going to get much, much lower. And Jesus Christ put all that in perspective and said, listen, the world loves its own. If you do as they do, they'll love you. That's how you know. That's one of the litmus tests we can take. Does the world love you? That's a question only you can ask. Because Jesus said you're going to be pressed really, really low by world standards. 
Hmm. You're going to become servants of one another. And they will know you. How, how did Jesus say that the world's going to know that you're his disciples? Anybody? That you love each other. That you love one another. Is that what you guys said? I don't know. I just heard, like, Todd was yelling something. I'm just going to go with everybody that said something was right on. People are like, yeah, yeah, do that. That you love one another. That's how the world knows. That you're subject to one another in the fear of Christ. That's how you know. That you serve one another. Whatever that means. Whatever you're called to do. In my case, it means I have to be publicly an idiot. Okay. I'm, I'm good with that. I, what the heck do I care at this juncture? Right? Some of you probably even judged me. Oh, great. Now our pastor's depressed. And you superimpose some ridiculous, ungodly, worldly definition of depression on me. Right? You ain't getting that? With the stigma and everything. You, you just go ahead. You can, you can say you did it, some of you. Yeah, that's your fault. You're the one who suffers for doing stuff like that. I'm just trying to serve you. Hmm. That's what we're supposed to do, though. That's what it means to be subject to each other in the fear of Christ. What a wonderful little reminder of where our power comes from, by the way. Because I personally would never be able to do it without his power, and you wouldn't either, because it's unnatural. And upon that principle... That's where confidence arises. For the Lord and His Spirit are of the same mind. Uh, I, got a, I got a slide coming up here, but my slides just tanked. Oh, no, I got them back. I have to jump. Give me one second. Oh, nope. Give me one second. Why does it keep happening, guys? Are you doing that? It keeps bailing. It keeps throwing me out. See how Satan is? He is nasty. It's fifth time, guys. You want to restart? Yeah, I'm gonna restart, and then you guys let me know when it's ready because I'm I'm gonna distract you guys. So this is our wonderful little reminder of where power comes from, and upon that principle, that's where our confidence is derived. So again, I said at the start of class, he's threading all this together. Most of you said with complete confidence, I want confidence. I want that thing. And he says, awesome. Let me show, how it, let me show you how it happens. And now he's saying, are you good? All right, let me try this. Now he's saying, good. I'm going to distract the pastor here. Give me one second. What is that, John 14, 26 coming up? Here it is. Go to John 14, 26, while I sort my brain out here. This is where our confidence arises. And think of it this way as well. The Lord and His Spirit are of the same mind. So if, our, if the Lord is our confidence, then the Spirit is going to assure that in us. If He's going to empower anything of us or in us, it's going to be that very thing. John 14, 26, just as a friendly reminder, up here on the board. Did I say you go there? I can say up on the board. Oh, well, hey, check it out. It's up on the board. <laughs> I'm happy for you that you're able to navigate your Bibles, but it's up here on the board. This might actually, 
This might be the amplified anyways. The helper, you guys don't have comforter, advocate. Yeah, so this is the amplified. So let read this one. This one's what the Spirit wanted. John 14, 26, but the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? He comforts us. He's an advocate for us. He intercedes for us. He's a counselor. He strengthens us. He stands up. He's on standby always. In other words, he's always available to us. Isn't that awesome? Those commercials you're going to see, they're going to be 30 seconds, gone. Let me just insert a little cancer in you, and then I'm going to be gone forever. You can't come back and consult. I'm just going to cause, like, doubt in you. Isn't that what Satan did in the garden? Ask just the right questions? You can't, come back, you can't come back for counseling, but the Spirit, He's always available. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. But the Helper, Comforter, Advocate, Intercessor, Counselor, Strengthener, Standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and He will help you remember everything that I have told you. Our confidence comes through faith by the power of the Spirit of Christ. That's the thread. Our confidence comes through faith by the power of the Spirit. See? Up here on the board, again, friendly reminder. This is how we started. I'm going to pick a spot now. The source of confidence. Jesus is the only person worthy of possessing self-confidence. Our confidence must be then in him not ourselves. We might call this Christ confidence. What the Spirit's saying is, I empower it. Don't try to get Christ confidence any other way but through me. The point of the sidebar was to remind you that you cannot will your own confidence into place on your own. Just because you've heard a message like this doesn't mean that you just go, get to go home and go, I get it, I will it into place. No. It's a gift. And that's between you and the Lord. What did James say? If you lack anything, wisdom in particular, if you lack anything, though, just ask of God because he gives freely. But don't you ask with that dipsukos mind. Don't you ask with a lack of faith. Don't you do that thing. You want to come to me confidently? Then come in humility. I'll give you that. But don't come to me with your own will and say, hey, I want some of that confidence. I heard the message. I want it, and I want it now. And you stop making demands from God. And then when he says no, you go away and pout and get depressed. And that just causes more misery. Like anything else and everything else in the spiritual life that brings glory to God, it must be given to us by his grace. Whenever we receive grace this way, we are delivered. And another word for being delivered is being saved, Allah. This is how it all started, my friends. Remember? Remember when you were all excited about being saved? Remember that? Free gift from Christ. Christ did all the work. Remember how excited you were? What happened? What happened? Remember in that moment when you realized that you were saved, you were so excited nothing else mattered? Okay, fast forward to today. What are you miserable about then? Honest to goodness. What happened to that joy? Why the, Why the distance? 
What happened? Ephesians 2.89, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. The works are actually performed by the power of the Spirit of Christ before, during, and after salvation proper. So it's like Paul said in Galatians 5, right? You began by the Spirit, but you know you're going to perfect yourself in the flesh. When you do that, you end up like yours truly. You begin the Spirit this way, Say, thank God it's free because I was hopeless and helpless. But then you say, ah, I'm feeling a little confident now. Right? Feeling a little good. I think I can do some of this, God. Go take care of somebody else for a little while. I'm going to take the reins. Mm-mm. Right? You're literally driving yourself towards misery. Again, our recurring principle, Christ confidence. And I think We'll close, but I just want to read this one last, just to glue it all together because we've seen the the passage, 1 Corinthians 2.16, so many times. I want to glue that together. What the Spirit's been giving us uh, this morning is the mind of Christ. So let's read that, and I'll close. 1 Corinthians 2.10, go there. I promise, go there. Stop looking at the board. I didn't trick you this time. 1 Corinthians 2.10. Christ's confidence, my friends. Learn to look for the details in your life. Learn to look how you've been uh, rejecting it, how he's been trying to deliver you with truth, and he, and he speaks directly to your lives and your lifestyles, and you've been rejecting it. Look there. That's what this week really has been about. Look there. Start there. First Corinthians 2.10 For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. So if you can search the depths of God, guess who we can search? You. You want power? You want wisdom? You want to understand yourself a little bit more? You want to understand why you're miserable? Pray. Pray by the power of the Spirit. Pray for wisdom about yourself. Pray that he reveals to you. What the heck is the bald guy even talking about? Most of you can immediately say, media, you choose your poison. Right off the bat, you can immediately say, I know one place where he keeps dinging, I don't know what's going on. Media. Guys like, stop it. Stop talking about my beloved TV. Why is it so quiet? Guys, you guys are weak. Look at look at. <laughs> Why is it so quiet in here? Somebody say something. Hey, thank you. Yeah, I got a fake. Todd was the only one that was legitimate laughing back there. I got a fake woo. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. If you want to know the truth, He already knows. If you want to know the truth, then ask for it. Most of you do not have the uh, gumption yet. That's all I'll say. Verse 11. But just know. You ready? Just know. Before you judge a guy like me, I'm the one who asked the question. And on the other side of the question where deliverance lies, is a really deep pit. 
So yeah, I was right here with you. You, got, you, get, the, you get the visual? I asked the question and said, oh, that's the answer. And now I'm delivered. That's why you don't judge people. Mm. See how that goes? Oh, I see how it's going. I see how it is. I don't even need my slides anymore, so there. I'm shutting this thing off. It's flipping out on me up here. It's like going. <laughs> I shut it off. First Corinthians 2.10, for to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit, that's the one who talks to you, by the way, through media, but the Spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. In other words, our confidence depends upon it. Verse 13, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. And so he writes self-help books. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. Never let worldly folks make you doubt your faith and confidence. Never let the world sow doubt in you. That's what happened to me. Never let the world sow doubt in you. That kind of doubt is sinful. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen? Amen. All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful gift of fellowshipping together this morning in the truth. Thank you for allowing us to break bread together as a family and to rejoice, share even in that with a few laughs, Father. But also, it's a very solemn subject that you've put upon our hearts as individuals as well as a congregation. So we just pray that you continue to press it into us so that it takes root and squeezes out all the sin that's left in our lives, Father, that we're just clinging to with our fleshes. We just ask your blessings as we take all of this back to our homes where it may settle and grow roots. We ask this in Jesus Christ. Precious name, by the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen.